Blog Talk Radio. big enough? Mm-hmm. Yes, old King George should be able to see that. <laughs> when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, a decent respect requires that they declare the causes which impel them and separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to establish new government. We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, do and with the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these United Colonies are, and of right ought to be, free and independent states. That they are absolved of all allegiance to the British Crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is, and ought to be, totally dissolved. In the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Joseph Gibson here, podcasting here, understanding the times in which we live today, Greensboro, North Carolina. And uh, i got some stuff here I want to play here, but anybody wants to talk, then press 1 during the, these uh, infomercials here that I play. But uh, it's, uh, it's a wonderful life. I, I'm trying to look for the one with Mr. Potter there. Remember Mr. Potter? 
You know, uh, uh, remember that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and uh, George Bailey there, <laughs> one of the classics there. Uh, got a little thing there that we put together here. I want to try to play that here, if I can try to find it here. But uh, Mr. Potter is kind of like the Federal Reserve banking cartel. And, uh, you know, he, he, he owns everything, and he controls the economy, and, you know, and he, the you know, and that's what the Fed does. Is it controls the 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 economy. The uh, and with these interest rates that they, and they're talking about raising the interest rates again, again. Uh, the, the people don't understand. The, it's already starting to be felt in the housing market. If you've got a house that you're trying to sell, it's you're almost too late. Uh, the, the real estate market and that once that goes, forget it. It's just like the '08 crash. And this time, there's going to be no banker bailout. They're going to do the reset, the global reset. So they got the plan already in motion for this. We've already foreseen it coming. And, uh, you know, bringing it up about Mr. Potter and It's a Wonderful Life. It's, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you don't know that movie, It's a Wonderful Life with George Bailey, and, uh, and, and he wouldn't sell out his soul. Remember, he offers Bailey, he goes, just come over with me. Sell me the savings and loan. Sell me the sa- savings and loan. And, and he wouldn't sell it. He wouldn't sell out. There it is, George Bailey right there. <laughs> Somebody just sent it to me. We're, we're going to see if we can get that up, up here and going here. Let's see if I can get that uh, played here for you guys. Uh, it's a very, well, it's, it's about, this one's about a minute long, so we'll play this one and see how this goes. And see, uh, it, but this, this, like I said, depicts the Federal Reserve and, and what the Federal Reserve is really, really is all about. Now, you take this loan here, the Ernie Bishop, you know, that fellow that sits around all day on his brains in his taxi, you know. I happen to know the bank turned down this loan, but he comes here, and we're building him a house worth $5,000. What does that get us? A discontented, lazy rabble instead of a thrifty working class. Here, you're all businessmen here. Don't it make them better citizens? Doesn't it make them better customers? You, you said that they, what'd you say just a minute ago? They, they had to wait and save their money before they even thought of a decent home? Wait? Wait for what? Until their children grow up and leave them? Until they're so old and broken down that they, they, you know how long it takes a working man to save $5,000? Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Sandimental hogwash. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's the, the you know, then the banks are cruel. They're cruel. Well, they say, well, that's business, you know, that's business. I mean, you know, uh, but, you know, do you really want to sell out your soul to the banks? I mean, because uh, that's what you do when you go in to get a mortgage. When you, when you get a mortgage, you know, uh, you sell your soul. Now they're talking about 40-year mortgages, 40-year mortgages. That's what they're going to do. And it's insane. It's insane. Insanity. Imagine that 40 years, 40 years. Tell me something, 40 years being in debt to a bank. Well, I, uh, I suppose I'll find out sooner or later, but just what exactly do you want to see me about? <laughs> oh, George, no, that's just what I like so much about you. Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter? George, I am an old man. 
neither, so that makes it all even. Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter? You know just as well as I do that I run practically everything in this town, but the Bailey Building alone. Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter? You know also that for a number of years I've been trying to get control of it, or kill it, but I haven't been able to do it. You have been stopping me. Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter? In fact, you have beaten me, George. And as anyone in this county can tell you, that takes some doing. Now, take during the Depression, for instance. You and I were the only ones that kept our heads. You saved the building alone. I saved all the rest. Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter? Now, I have stated my side very frankly. Now, let's look at your side. <laughs> Young man, 27, 28, married, making, say, 40 a week. Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter? Now... If this young man at 28 was a common, ordinary yokel, I say he was doing fine. But George Bailey is not a common, ordinary yokel. He is an intelligent, smart, ambitious young man. Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter? Oh, confounded man, are you afraid of success? I'm offering you a three-year contract at $20,000 a year starting today. Is it a deal or isn't it? Everybody would take that deal, you know, and in today's day and world. But, you know, this is yesterday. And the whole point of the story is that he doesn't sell his soul out to the bank. So, but people say, well, if you got rid of the Federal Reserve, how would we manage? How would we survive? You know, and now I want to point out an example to you. Now, you know, you start looking at prices and everything, and people argue with this. Well, things were cost different back then, and, you know, it's just that we have more stuff today. But look, gas prices. Gas prices all through the Great Depression. Okay, were about twenty five cents a gallon. Okay, all through the Great Depression, nineteen cents, twenty five cents, that vicinity, that vicinity. Okay, all through the Great Depression, all through the nineteen thirties. In nineteen seventy nine, gas prices for the first went above one dollar. It was nineteen eighty, nineteen eighty one, it went to a dollar five, dollar nine, dollar ten, and it stayed. And then it stayed roughly between a dollar and dollar fifty all through the nineteen eighties. Okay. Now you and during the 1990s. Now you go to year 2004. 2004, gas prices doubled, and they have never gone back down since. Never have gone back down. They doubled. It's always been above two, two twenty-five. Now they've they've gone back down for a little bit, you know, a month or two or six months, you know, but not for long duration. Always been above now two dollars a gallon, and now they're at four dollars a gallon, and they're not going to go back below four dollars a gallon. I mean, it goes 383. You know, you really understand what I'm saying here. You know, it's not. We're not going to go right down to the penny here, but I'm just saying it's going to be about 375, four dollars, 425 a gallon for the remainder of your life until it goes up again, which it's going to go up again. They're saying sometime in about four months, five months. Now, you know, I've always been pretty much 99. percent uh, correct when it comes to gas prices. For some reason, I'm able to see see it happening, and you know, because I read up on the, the oil oil companies and the new world order and trends. And trends is very important. That's why, they, as a matter of fact, there's a guy that's got a, a magazine called what was that? What's that guy's name? Man, I forgot his name. I don't forget it. But it was trend. He trends trends uh, magazine. That guy. He was on Fox News for a long time too. Oh, Salente, Gerald Salente. There he is. Yeah, Gerald Salente. But uh, 
you know, if you watch the trends, you'll be able to predict because the market is all done on emotion and feeling or what, what, what people hope to expect or whatnot, and that's how they trade and whatnot. But now they got a new one thing out now where you can go to the Treasury, the U.S. Treasury Department, and you can actually buy American debt. That's what China does. And you can actually buy, say, well, you can buy $100 worth of debt, and you can get back within two days, 48 hours, uh, about 18%. Of, of that one hundred hours, and and you can sell it right off. So uh, I forgot I had all that information up here, but the where you can go do it now. You still go to Fidelity.com years ago and do that, and you can look up you know what they're trading and what is that debt? These bonds that the American people are the debt. And the birth rate and whatnot, birth rate goes up, you know, that's what they sell. That's what they're selling, your labor. You're, you are the debt. Your taxes do not pay for the services that you think they render or rendered with the tax money that they receive. It does not, it's not, that's just, it doesn't pay for your police department, your taxes. When somebody says, my taxers, that's somebody either who's just talking for the heck of it or just doesn't know what's really going on. Taxes do not pay for anything, none of your services, okay? Every single state has plenty of money, plenty of money, plenty, all right? I, I was looking at North Carolina's, uh, let's see here, I still have it up, I believe, North Carolina. Let's see here, we've got right here, you've got the Coronavirus State and Local Fiscal Recovery Funds, interim final rule, frequently asked question. As of January 20, as of January 2022, this is the update right here. Uh, in this document pertaining to the interim final rule, IFR, which is in effect until April 21st, 2022, which they came out a new one. Uh, in addition to this document, recipients are encouraged to consult the statement regarding compliance with the coronavirus state and local fiscal recovery funds, interim final rule, and final rule, which provides guidance on use of funds until the final rule takes effect. Treasury anticipates issuing uh, FAQs for the final rule at a later date. Recipients may find helpful, helpful the overrule of the final rule, which provides a summary of major provision of the final rule for informational purposes. All right, and this document contains answers to frequently asked questions, all right? Now, there was plenty of money out there, and there's plenty of money out there, but that's not for you, okay, as individuals. And they state this, actually, very interestingly enough, that the citizens that uh, doesn't apply, but you can, as an individual, apply for this. Make sense? No. But it's true. Now, for instance, state of North Carolina received 19, uh, excuse me, uh, 20 billion dollars. Okay, received 20 billion dollars. They've only used one billion of that. There's 19 billion dollars still out there to be distributed. All right, and <clears throat> there's see here. They gave 14 million dollars in uh, you know aid to you know to the to the peasants out there. But there's 19 billion dollars floating around out there. That's 19 billion for our state. Now every other state. Like Texas gets like forty-five billion, and they, you know, remember there was what three and a half trillion dollars that they gave out the Federal Reserve, where the Treasury gave it to, to the Federal Reserve gave it to the Treasury, and the Treasury dispersed it to you know who they thought. And you guys all got what uh, a check? You guys got three checks, right? Uh, what was it, twelve hundred, and then it was fourteen hundred or something. Then they did the what the child tax credit thing, where they were given uh, what six hundred dollars a month for uh, your child if you got two children and whatnot. But that's peanuts, man. Peanuts to the money that's out there that you could have had access to, but nobody told you about it. All right? And it's not real money. It's Federal Reserve notes, but you need it to barter with. And people don't understand this. All this stuff's out there. All this is out there, but we're too busy staring at our dumb phones. We're, too bu we're not paying attention. Number two, eligible use is responding to the public health emergency, negative economic impacts. What types of COVID-19 response, mitigation, and prevention activities are eligible? A broad range of services are needed to contain COVID-19. 
and our eligible uses, including vaccination programs, medical care, testing, contact tracing, support for isolation or quarantine, support for vulnerable populations to access medical or public health services, public health surveillance, ooh, public health surveillance. You like that one? Interesting, huh? How about this one? Monitoring case trends, genomic uh, 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 sequencing for variants, because they already know, you know, we're going to get new variants out there, you know, keep it going. Uh, let's see, enforcement of public health orders, public communication efforts, enhancement to health care capacity, including through alternative care facilities, purchases of personal protective equipment, support for prevention, mitigation, or other services in congregate living facilities, nursing homes, incarceration settings, whoa, homeless shelters, group living facilities, and other key settings like schools, ventilation improvements in congregate settings, health care settings, or other key locations, enhancement of public health data systems. And it goes on and on and on. Let's see here. You've got, uh, let's see here. Healthcare settings or other key locations, enhancement of public health data systems and other public health responses, capital investments in public facilities to meet pandemic operational needs are also eligible, such as physical plant improvements to public hospitals and health clinics or adaptions to public buildings to implement COVID mitigation tactics. Tactics. But meanwhile, the 6 o'clock news, you guys can take your mask off now. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, government. Thank you. Thank you. I don't have to wear my mask anymore. <laughs> if a use of funds was allowable under the Coronavirus Relief Fund to respond to the public health emergency, may recipients presume it is also allowable under CSFRF. Generally, funding uses eligible under CF, CRF as a response to the direct public health impacts of COVID-19 will continue to be eligible under the CSFRF. With the following two exceptions, standard for eligibility of public health and safety, payrolls has been updated and expenses related to the issuance of tax anticipation. Notes are not ineligible for funding use. So, now they ask questions. May recipients use funds to respond to the public health emergency and its negative economic impacts by replenishing state unemployment funds? Let's answer that question. Consistent with the approach taken in the CRF, recipients may make deposits into the state account of the unemployment trust fund up to the level needed to restore the pre-pandemic balances of such account as of January 27, 2020 or to pay back advances received for the payment of benefits between 20, January 27, 2020 and the date when the interim final rule is published in the Federal Registry. Let's ask another question. What types of services are eligible as responses to the negative economic impacts of the pandemic? Eligible uses in this category include assistance to households, small businesses, and nonprofits, and aid to impacted industries. Okay, so assistance to households is probably what you want. Includes, but not as limited to food assistance, rent, mortgage, or utility assistance, counseling, and legal aid to prevent eviction or homelessness. Cash assistance, emergency assistance for burials, home repairs, weatherization, or other needs. Internet access or digital literacy assistance or job training to address negative economic or public health impacts experienced due to a worker's occupation or level of training. Wow. They'll pay people's rent. How about that? There's money out there for you guys. Assistance to small businesses now and nonprofits, including but not limited to 
Make, does that make a lot of freaking sense when they say stuff like that? Including but not limited to loans or grants to mitigate financial hardships such uh, as declines in revenues or impacts of periods of business closure, for example, by supporting payroll and benefits costs, costs to retain employees, mortgage, rent, or utilities costs, and other operating costs, loans, grants, or in kind of assistance to implement COVID-19 prevention or mitigation tactics, such as physical plant changes to enable social distancing. Social distancing. Now, this report goes on and on and on and on and on and on. It's about 43 pages, but it makes for good reading, and you have to understand this is the stuff that's out there. Now, back to my original subject, the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve gives us all these nice, nice, beautiful toys to play with, which, which are nice, crispy Fred uh, $100 bills, paper money. And we get to print it, 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 and we never have to pay the Reaper because we have a war machine out there, and we're out, and we have little agencies out there with three letters that are out there instigating wars, you know, like Ukraine. And when you see the pain and suffering out there, the people in the wars that these this, this, these central banks cause, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself for supporting a Federal Reserve central bank when all you have to do is budget your money and and really have an honest economy. Weights and measures, like the Bible says, okay? And you really, really should be, uh, you know, the money changes are, that's why Jesus whipped them. He threw them out. Get out of here. Woo. You know, I mean, he whipped them. The only time he used force, the only time he ever got mad, the only time he ever got angry, and he he went went after people. You know? And that should be a lesson right there to learn from. I mean, this stuff is insane. If you start reading these reports and, and where the money, well, you know, cause there's a lot of money out there. But, but again, though, why should you be sitting eating breadcrumbs while these people are out there getting rich? Expose these people for who they are, what they are, and how they are, and do the right thing. You know, we should have honest money. There's no reason why we should have a war machine out there promoting war. We don't need to send our men and women over there to fight in unconstitutional wars. If we obey the Constitution, we can't go wrong. Obey the Constitution. And our country will be blessed for it. And it was for many, many years when we did try to obey the Constitution. And then we fought a civil war. And Abraham Lincoln abandoned the republic. Okay? <clears throat> yeah, he was, you know, he wrestled with these principles. That's why he freaking looked like he was 98 years old after the war. You know, he was stressed out. He knew what he was doing was wrong. But he didn't have a choice. You know, I would hate to be put in that type of position. Really, the Civil War is a very interesting subject in history. If you know history or you want to research history, let me tell you, true history, that is. <clears throat> not hooked on phonics. I mean, it, it's it's really the, the, the you know remember history is always written by the winner in it also. So, but man, some of this stuff out there, and this is one of the things that people just really need to you know, and it really this ripple effect of corruption, it trickles down to each and one of every one of us right down to our little homes. You know, this type of lifestyle, and, and you're not going to be blessed blessed for it. You know, curse America. And curse America for all the babies it's murdered still. Oh, what is it now? 65 billion abortions? A million abortions? Excuse me? 65 million babies murdered? It's a woman's right to do what she wants with her body. It's not a woman's right to commit murder. Fact. Okay? You're given a responsibility to create life, both man and woman. And you create and you take that responsibility seriously. You don't go out and you kill the child. That's sick. And it is a living human being. Because it has a heartbeat. It's a living human being. It's created, you know, and so abortion is murder. Fact. It's murder. Just wanted to put that in there. Somebody sent me a comment a couple of days ago about abortion. I got into a big discussion with them on that. 
just want to make sure I announce that here tonight, make sure people understand my stance on abortion. Abortion is wrong. It is murder. Simple as that. And you should not murder children. And, you know, that's just it's, it's, it's disgusting. You know, and in this country, is Roe versus Wade should be overturned, and the Supreme Court shouldn't make the laws anyway. But that's a whole other subject. Uh, 657-383-0616, if you want to talk here tonight. I don't have any scheduled guests. Um, I didn't know if, uh, I know we got, uh, I'll make an announcement here, I think in the next couple of weeks, or no, no, within the next week, I think Dr. Peter Ventura is going to come back. Uh, wants to talk about Satan a little bit. So he's going to be coming back in the future here to do another show on uh, Satan. Um, if you missed the last podcast we did, it was Easter uh, podcast where he came in and preached. Pretty good show there. Um, <clears throat> I got a lot of comments on social media about that, about that podcast. You know, Easter doesn't have anything to do with the Bible, folks. So I don't care. You could, you can want it to. You can want it, believe it to. You can do whatever you want to do about it. I mean, you can think whatever way you want, but it just doesn't. You know, it's your choice. I mean, you want to celebrate Easter, that's up to you. I mean, you know, you have free will. You can do whatever you want to do as long as it doesn't hurt me. Um, let's see here. Let me check the phone lines here, see if anybody's there waiting in the wings here. I don't know. See if, all right, we got a caller here. Let's bring him on. 314, go ahead. You're live. How you doing, Joseph? Hey, how are you? I'm doing fine. Happy holidays to you last week. However, sure, happy holidays. Celebrate. <clears throat> but then, no, you know, you make some very good points, and your description for those who know what you're saying is is very, very on time. Appreciate it. And you see this damn pandemic; they're going to try to come out with something else. That's getting close to election time, I see old Obama yeah. starting to show up and go around to black audiences and trying to get them on board, especially in states like Georgia. If yeah. you work with, you kind of remind me of the football player, the end around. And if you run it time after time and again, there's no defense against it. Against it, they're going to continue yeah. to run it. <laughs> and, you know, the times are going to have to come when conservatives start taking it to those liberals. Those there's going to have to be, yeah, there's going to have to be a decision made. You're absolutely right. How long can we keep trying to wake people up, you know? Yeah, you got to take it to them, man. You can't be sitting here on the defense all the time when you get smacked upside the head like Will Smith done with that assault and battery. <laughs> and all of a sudden you yeah. look silly and, and and wonder what to do. Yeah. It's yeah. simple. I take know. it to them. And, you know, I'm still on some issues like, I think the states need to take back what has been labeled federal land. There's nothing yeah, in the yeah, Constitution. Hey, are we in oh, the... I'm sorry, one of my emotional alarms going off here. I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry for that. Hey, <laughs> are I'm we sorry. in the days are we in the days of F Troop? You remember that series used to come on? Oh yeah, that was a great show actually in a way. But uh, you know, but yeah. Give a synopsis of what that's about, F Troop for the people out there who don't know. Well, they will, that, those are the type of forts that's mentioned in the Constitution. It doesn't mention Yellowstone and, and mention that you control the expiration and extraction of natural resources out of state. It doesn't mean that. Those resources that's under the ground or wherever belongs to the states. And wouldn't it be nice 
if they could exploit those resources and give it to the citizens of the state through royalties, like like Alaska does. Yeah. And you know another thing, offshore offshore exploration within the left and right boundary lines of the state, all the way out to international waters, that revenue that's derived from those exploration and drilling and extraction should also also royalty should go to the state, thus divvy it up to the people who use to run state activities. Correct. What the Correct. hell's wrong with that? <laughs> Giving all this power to the federal government unchecked, it's just totally crazy. They just continue. You know, as much as you give them, and they still is printing money and got astronomical debts that's going to be passed on well, into well, the future. Well, that's because they spent $100 on a hammer, you know, a $9 hammer, you know. I remember <laughs> the $13,000 toilet seat. I like to go back to them days. At least you could see the damn end. Remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. And then all this... And, and, and see, I, look, I may not have told you directly. I told you, I told you, I told you. These damn idiots going to start coming out to white folks. And let me tell you how they're doing it. Look at uh, Utah, where the Utah Jazz basketball team, you heard about that? For every game that they win, they're going to offer a scholarship to a student. But guess what, Joseph? No white students are allowed. No way. Are you serious? Yes, I didn't hear about I'm serious. That. I did not hear about that. I'd like to get on I top guess, of that and make a phone call on that. I, I guess it sounds so profound, people just didn't believe what they was reading or what they heard. No white students are allowed because everybody else, blacks and so on, has been mistreated and there's unfair equity. How the hell are you going to solve unfair equity? Equity is achieved by hard work, planning, and guess what? Some some luck. Because no matter how hard you plan, something still can go wrong. And people, yeah. whites and anybody else that do that, sometimes they win and a lot of times they lose. So I guess yeah. you're going to take taxpayers' money and try to even out like spreading mustard on a slice of bread. It don't work that way. Yeah. It just yeah. doesn't work that way. Well, I'll tell you what, so far the media has treated me fairly down here running for public office. So, that, I, I mean, uh, they just actually did a story yesterday on me, and uh, they posted it up. Posted it up and, uh, I mean, he asked the same questions to my opponent, and, uh, didn't, you know, they didn't put any special narr- narrative in there, and, you know, not yet anyway. But, you know, they, you know, asked him, and they let me answer, and they asked, you know, and asked me, I let me answer, and let him answer, and, no real smart comments or anything. Just let, let it play. So, I, that that's what the media is there for. You know, I mean, that's they should do it like that. You know. Well, you running for office? Well, then yeah, you need oh, to you get out. Know? A no, I, I I thought I heard. Well, this is what I want to know. How can we contribute to your candidacy? I mean, you got well, a GoFundMe or uh, what's yeah, what's the deal? To, uh, you go go to uh, Joseph Gibson. Uh, let's see, hang on here. i got to give you the exact one right here. If you've got a pencil and a piece of paper right here, it's josephgibson.us. Right. Very simple to remember. Go to www.josephgibson.us. And you'll, that's my website All right, right well, there. I'm, I'm going to give something to you because I think that these organizations I've been giving to 
in the past, and then they're going to come out and criticize me and call me sellouts for voting for Donald Trump. I told them, you go to hell. You don't get nothing else from me no more. <laughs> why would they Why would they? Why would they call you a sellout because you voted for Donald Trump? I don't understand why. It's, I mean, the gate, your vote. The gatekeepers. They are oh, gatekeepers. Oh. Yeah, yeah, you I got you. I understand now. I get the same black I'll... on my end too, probably. You know, <laughs> so it's just it's, you have to do what's right. You do what's right. It doesn't matter who's who. You do what the right thing is to do. You know, and and deep down, and you do what your conscience does tells you to, and usually it's right. You know, unless you're an evil bastard. You know. <laughs> so, well, I'll I mean, tell you what, yeah. I try to do what's right, and try to, and, and better yet, I try to teach. Any young ones around me, under me, under my tutelage, or biologically, I try to teach them the same thing. Yeah, and yeah, and you'll always do it. And I'll tell you what. Yeah, a lot of people, and a lot of people have talked to me privately too. I remember when we were over on the other platform there, and you would call in, and you know, and they, a lot of people would criticize that. But I'll tell you what, behind the doors, behind the scenes, privately, they'd say, "I like that guy." You know, same thing with Sarge. You know, I, I don't care what color he is; I can care less. You know, most people didn't even know what color you were, in fact, to be honest with you. And, then, you know, and, and, and they didn't care. And, you know, and a lot of people said that off, you know, off the queue. And I was like, of course, you sh- nobody should judge the guy for, for, for that reason. He's a smart guy. He knows what he's talking about. That's what the podcast is about. That's what kind of voices you want on there. You know, I mean, what the hell? What difference does it make? You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, people well, are just you know, asking sometimes, you know. It's one thing that I am happy and as I got older and older, my love for the United States and that which holds it together became stronger yeah. and stronger. Yeah, well, amen to that, hey. Yeah, because you uh, don't know what you know, you, we lose this country, you, we go into a thousand years of darkness. I mean, what, what, where can you go out there that's really, truly free, you know? I mean, and really, we're not free anymore anyway in America, but we still have the know. ideals and we have the foundations, you know? I don't care if there's people out there that don't like me or hate me or whatever, I'm still, they're still United States citizens. And that's, that's, the, right. the, that's their prerogative. And yeah. if, if Bush went to serve and we had to go to fighting, I'm fighting for the country. I'm fighting for the Constitution. That's right. That's right. And, and the document of the Constitution is, look, we all have our different preferences as far as religion goes or whatnot, but that's what makes America that, that's what makes America better. As long as you don't impress upon that on other people and force people or offend people, the Constitution is really the greatest document out there for government because it restrains the people or restrains the government, excuse me, of, of oppressing the people. It's supposed to anyway, but it, we've abandoned that idea so much because now we're in public policy and you know, instead of public law. And we're not, we're not, you know, the citizen. Remember, they changed the words from person to citizen there uh, in the Fourteenth uh, uh, Amendment. You know, so you start switching around the words, and in legal meaning, you change a word in law. That's a big thing in a courtroom. You know, so that can change the entire scope of everything and what the foundations of what we believe and who we are as a, as Americans. But the jury system is such a good idea, a republic form of government. Because if one person thinks that you're not guilty, you walk. You know, I mean, you have to convince everybody that you're guilty, and that's important, because, and that's hard to do, right? It's hard to convince tw- uh, 12 people unanimously that, without a doubt, you're guilty of something if you have an honest system, right? I mean, it's hard to do. <laughs> you have to really be guilty. Well, I, well, I tell you, the most important things we got to protect us from 
at the state level is those Bill of Rights, and yeah. we have to protect them. Can't let those be trampled upon. You know, I don't want to take up a lot of time in your show, but people need to study how those Bill of Rights came to be. It came to be on a promise, and those that yeah. made the promise after they got what they wanted, they could have reneged. It's a lot yeah. of divine intervention that went into the formation of this country, especially that particular document. That's right. Thank you very That's much, Joe. Yeah, man. Yeah, anytime, anytime, anytime. Sure. Good to have you. Oh, yeah. All right. That was a good caller there. As always, he always has something positive and, uh, uh, you know, always contributes with information. Uh, I like that when people call in, you know, except the idiots that call in that take away from the show. But that's good. I like callers like that and contribute to the show. And look, uh, from what we're talking about, too, you know, the Federal Reserve, it's dishonest money. But you know what? Hey, why should we, the people, which we are, we're slaves to the system. You know, the Americans, it's a big club and you're not in it. It's the same club they beat you over the head with every day. You know, uh, you know, and that's why they call it like what George Carlin said, the American dream. You have to be asleep to, you know, realize it's true. That's why they call it a dream, you know. <laughs> I mean, especially in today's world, you know, you can't get justice out there. I mean, if you are wrong, it's hard. Who do you call when the system is against you? If you're feeling threatened by the system itself or authority, you know, let's let's take it for an example. You know, I could take I can understand a lot of people that are discriminated against out there, or a majority of people are against them. If the system itself is against you, and you know, who do you call? Where do you go? So that's why you, you know, when you take on the head of the snake, you have to be careful because, man, who who are you going to run to when they're all after you? You know, you got to be careful. So you know, pick and choose your battles and. Uh, Watch out, watch your back. But uh, we can make a change. And my platform, what I'm running for office is, you know, restoring the republic. That's what, uh, you know, one nation, you know, uh, one nation, you know, not not two parties, you know, uh, dividing a country. And that's what we have right now, two parties dividing a country as a Republican and Democrat party. Now, I am running as a Republican. Because there's, you know, what, what else am I going to do? And I've taken a lot of flack from, for that, actually. A lot of people have criticized me. A couple of people on social media are attacking me on that. You know, you're a Republican. Rah, rah. Listen, well, your way doesn't work. You want me to drive around with a license plate on my car that's with a paper plate, you know, saying I'm free? You know, I'm going to end up in a federal prison, you know, and you're not going to pay my bills, and you're not going to come see me, and you're not going to help me. So I'm doing it my way is the smartest way. You have, to become, you have to get into the system, infiltrate the system to change it. This is how they changed it. They got in, got elected in, infiltrated the system, and, ch and have changed it for the worse. We have to reverse that trend. We can do that by electing good people and getting good people in there and restoring our republic. That's what I'm trying to do, and people can't understand that. They don't get that. Oh, you're a part of the system. Oh, you're, you're a sellout. Yeah, literally tell me I'm a sellout. How am I a sellout? Because I want to help everybody out. How am I a sellout? Because I'm trying to help this, help the republic. How am I a sellout? Because I want freedom for everybody. How am I a sellout? You've got to be kidding me, you know, and, and sometimes I think they're provocateurs, and they could be have those three letters you know, attached to them, you know. You know what I'm talking about, the three-letter agencies out there are probably trying to provocateur me. Who knows, you know, so you've got to be careful. You know, there's a lot of snakes out there that are uh, slithering around, you know, not the ones that crawl on their belly, the ones that walk on two feet. So, you know, you've got to be careful. But, uh, yeah, good call there. Uh, I wonder where Sarge is. I haven't seen, I heard Sarge in a long time. Well, I haven't been on for a little while here and there, but I wonder, I haven't heard his voice in a long time. I wonder if he's out there listening somehow, some way. I know, he think he had some, he was getting involved in something there where he said he was taking up his time. But, yeah, um, 
the Federal Reserve, you know, that's the head of the snake, really. If we can get rid of the Federal Reserve Central Bank and we can restore sound money, honest money, and, you know, uh, back to our bartering system and we can barter honestly and we can teach responsibility to the younger people out there, even some of the older people now, because the greatest generation are the generations from years ago. I think, as a matter of fact, the last caller there, he has, I think his mother or grandmother was alive at one time. Uh, she was like 104, 105 years old when he used to call in, and that's, that's a history book right there in itself. I mean, I would well, it's too bad I couldn't have her on the podcast show. I'm sure she could uh, tell me some information. 105 years old? Boy, oh, boy. You know, and listening to people like that is, all, is such a privilege and honor, you know, for the people that are in right mind. You know, you get to 100 years old, most people, you know, they start seeing, uh, you know, little Johnny running down the hallway or, you know, seeing little gremlins, you know, hopping around, you know. But if you've got your mind still in, about you and you're 105 years old, man, the stories that you could tell people and what has happened to you of your life or, or the things that you have seen, I mean, that's just amazing to have that type of testimony. And that, and for that to, to die off without having, you know, having it be recorded or documented is a darn shame. You know, I remember when I was on a dairy farm out in Wisconsin, you know, this is 1985, 1986, I had 85, 87-year-old dairy farmers that used to, you know, lecture me and tell me stories. Now imagine that, this is 1985, they're, not, they're 85, 86, 87 years old. There was one guy that was 92, 92 years old, right, and this guy was stronger. And his wife was 94, I think. You know, imagine 94, 92 years old in 1985. They were born, you know, they, they, they grew up in the 1890s. You know, imagine that, the stories they could tell, you know, the turn of the century. So, you know, and I did hear a lot of stories. I remember one time they were telling me a story about John Dillinger, you know. I still have the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the wanted, dead or alive, uh, John Dillinger uh, uh, poster, actually. So some of them they gave me, I they handed me, you know, handed down some of that. So I still got that. So uh, you know, I remember telling me stories about that. So and that's how the FBI was really got its power during that case, actually, where they were able to go across the line and start arresting uh, people. Because you used to be able to drive to another county, and the federal government couldn't arrest you; they couldn't come after you, or the, or the law couldn't come after you. I mean, so if you were in Chicago and you committed a crime, you used to go to another county; they couldn't get done to you. So imagine that. Imagine all the crime today we would have, or people doing things that you know, you can get away if you went to another county. Insane. <laughs> Insane, man. But but back then you didn't have immoral people like you do today. You know, you didn't have those type of people. So, all right, now we get back to my clips here. Uh, see, I, what was I doing here? Well, uh, Wonderful Life, I had that going up there. I played the second one there. I don't know where the uh, third one went. But, but we got Biden pushing globalists to kill Switch for Humanity. I got that one I could play. Uh, um, we've got the... Um, Power Grid Kill Switch uh, Discovered. Uh, might get that one in there. Um, the American Famine. Um, big Tech Attempted to Silence the Small Businessman. Media Machine Desperate to Keep Control. Uh, let's see. The Left is Running Scared Attempting to Trigger Civil War. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. I'll go in. We'll go with this one here. Uh, let's see, Alzheimer's list is ran. Uh, we'll go with this one here. Well, well, you got the fentanyl one. Fentanyl turning homeless into mindless zombies. Uh, we know fentanyl is a, a problem out there. I mean, it's a highly addictive. I mean, it reminds me of the 1980s with the crack. Um, you know, the American famine. We'll do that. Just a quick one here. We'll see if we can get that one up here played. So only about four minutes long. And then, uh, should take your calls here, 657-383-0616. Press the number one if you have something you want to share.
The term bread and circuses comes from an ancient Roman poet describing how the people are governed, not by excellence in public service, but by food and distractions, like a herd of livestock. Today's circuses can be found on Twitter, a reflection of the human herd's short attention span, meaningless distractions to keep everyone calm while their food supply is being destroyed. While foods joke about Biden doing a horrible job, his administration is doing such an efficient job of destroying America that anyone running in 2024, if there is an election, will have to run on the Build Back Better platform. Starvation has been used as a weapon of mass destruction for years. In just a two-year period, Stalin's communist government murdered over three million people in Ukraine by simply pulling the strings of bureaucracy, sanctions. The Ethiopian counterinsurgency burned crops and food stores, barely bombed food markets, and restricted trade. They then began a resummon plan that killed at least 80,000 people with further starvation. The U.S. State Department murdered over half a million women and children in Iraq with starvation by sanctions. And this is exactly what is happening in America today. The Biden administration's sanctions against Russia are only succeeding at killing more innocent people all over the world by dramatically cutting down the worldwide food supply. There is already a significant wheat, fuel, and fertilizer shortage, which is obviously going to affect everything else, starting with fresh produce and livestock. But in order to completely collapse the food economy, they'll have to start destroying food packing plants as well, so that there is nothing left on the shelves for you to eat. There have been confirmed over a dozen disabling accidents at food plants in the last month, over a dozen. Absolutely, and we're talking about some really significant plants. The Taylor Farms facility in Salinas, California, was completely destroyed by a fire last week. We've had two major potato processing plants in Belfast, Maine, and Warden, Washington, that were completely gutted, which is happening at a time where we already have a potato shortage globally. You were talking about the onion supply at that Rio Fresh, but it's not just produce plants. Last month, there was a fire that took out a Nestle food plant out in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Arkansas, and that's impacting frozen food brands like Hot Pockets or Stouffer's, which maybe you might buy if you can't get fresh food from a warehouse that just exploded. Those still satiated with their bread and circuses are soon going to start getting hungry. And it's because America is under siege, being destroyed from within by a corrupt government, while the people seek fairness on Twitter. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. We're doing a historic emergency broadcast in defense of free speech running from this Thursday, April 21st through Last week, a jury acquitted two men of all charges in a plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer because it was clear that the FBI set the whole thing up. While it is surprisingly good news to hear of their acquittal, it is not strange to hear of the FBI setting people up. They've been doing it for generations. During the late 60s, FBI informant Tommy the Traveler traveled to colleges throughout the U.S. posing as a student protester. 
He encouraged nonviolent activists to make Molotov cocktail explosives out of gasoline and successfully convinced two students at Hobart College to firebomb a campus ROTC building. Joseph Burton was hired and funded by the FBI to start a group of Maoist radicals that was deployed to the 1972 Republican Convention to encourage peaceful demonstrators to topple a bus and blow it up. The bomb that killed six people at the World Trade Center in 1993 was built with the help of FBI informant Imad Salem. After the bombing, the FBI paid Salem over a million dollars to recruit others in a plot to blow up other targets in New York City. After the 9-11 attacks, the FBI went public with their long, secret tradition of entrapment. In 2004, FBI informant Elder Woody was paid $100,000 to gain the trust of Shawar Siraj, become his mentor and turned the conversation towards planning acts of violent terrorism. For months before his arrest, Siraj is on record politely trying to say no. In 2006, FBI informant Ali Assad was paid $85,000 to bully followers of a cult-like group called the Seas of David to swear allegiance to Al-Qaeda, which is all they needed to give five of them long jail sentences. In 2012, five men in Cleveland were directed and groomed by the FBI to discuss the bombing of a bridge. In 2015, a week before actual terrorists Elton Simpson and Nadir Hamid Sufi opened fire on a crowd of people in Garland, Texas, an FBI agent commented, Care of Texas, on their social media. That same FBI agent was dressed in Middle Eastern garb and drove behind the perpetrators on their way to the attack. The FBI claim that this is a coincidence. These are only a few of the instances that we know of. There are many more. The FBI has a long history of unchecked criminal activity. So it is no surprise to hear that the FBI planned the Governor Whitmer kidnapping. That is what they do. What is surprising is that the people are starting to wake up. And that's good. Because there are still hundreds of innocent Americans rotting away in jail for the so-called insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Another obvious false flag executed by the corrupt U.S. Department of Justice. And these same crooked liars are busy trying to lie and deceive us all into a nuclear war with the rest of the world. So it is a very good time for the people to start waking up. Our lives... We're doing a historic emergency broadcast in defense of free speech running from this Thursday, April 21st through... Because some human beings care about their children, theirs was established in 1990 as an early warning system to identify negative reactions and side effects of vaccination, which makes sense, but there are major problems. It is managed by the FDA and the CDC, which explains why the VAERS database requires a class to learn how to find anything. Taking the time to actually file a report is voluntary, and out of fear of losing their jobs or being considered an anti-vaxxer, Nobody wants to speak ill of the all-holy vaccine. 
let alone make an official report. It is estimated that only 1% of vaccine injuries ever get reported to VAERS. So that means when VAERS reports over 44,000 adverse reactions and 90 deaths, one can expect it to be as much as 4.4 million adverse reactions and 9,000 deaths. And these numbers are only from the age 5 to 17 group. Conservative numbers put it at 10%, which is half a million children that have been wounded and killed from an unneeded, unwanted experimental gene therapy shot that we were lied to about every step of the way. Thanks to the Open VAERS project, which is built upon the VAERS data, the public can easily search these reports and see for themselves. People are reporting adverse reactions such as chronic pain, loss of hearing and taste, talking gibberish, and acting out aggressively. And these are the mild cases. There is a tsunami of major brain damage, heart disease, and fatalities. Edward Dowd has analyzed the data and has reported an 84% increase in deaths among ages 25 through 40, which is the same amount of lives lost to the Vietnam War. Toby Rogers estimates that Big Pharma kills twice as many people that died in World War II every single year. The press ignores this because it's not enough. They want your newborn babies as well. Pfizer is pushing to have children as young as six months old given a shot that we know is potentially fatal, even though children were never at risk and are still not at risk. The United States has been force injecting infants and children with experimental vaccines for years. And now they want to add the infamous clot shot. Thanks to virtue signaling mothers, some children have already been getting it in the womb, which is resulting in miscarriages, stillbirths, and deaths from breastfeeding on toxic genetically modified mother's milk. Pfizer is planning on submitting another application for emergency use authorization in early April. That's about 18 million children under five who could be sacrificed to the altar of big pharma and political correctness. If Pfizer can achieve permanent liability protection from the FDA, who they control, then they can add the mRNA gene therapy shot to the childhood vaccine schedule, where it will enjoy permanent liability protection under the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. These same crooks are putting a judge on the Supreme Court who openly defends leniency towards crimes that involve child rape. They are coming for your children, and they will not stop. If you still care about the human race and are looking for something you can do right now, you can go to Toby Rogers at Substack and read his urgent call to action for more info. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. All right, everybody. Joseph Griffin here, podcasting. Understand the times in which we live today. As I throw that in there about the vaccines, you know, that's very important because it's not, it's just, you know, don't let go, go to sleep, man. Don't go to sleep on this. You know, it's big stuff. But the Federal Reserve, we were talking about that there earlier. Let me check the phone boards here. Anybody wants to call in, press number 1-657-383-0616. Press number 1-657-383-0616. Um, I'll take the callers. I'm going to do something here real quick on the Federal Reserve. 
Uh, I don't know. I haven't checked this one. This one should explain it real quick here in about eight minutes' time. Because um, i got a couple people asking me about that. I'm not going to connect you to ask a question because you already typed it. So I don't need to get you on here to uh, ask the question. All right? I mean, if you're just trying to – because I don't know, you know – uh, yeah, all right, okay. Well, I'll play it, uh, this for you then. All right, then uh, play this. And then again, if you got something you want to add, here's your time, here's your chance. It's Saturday night, you know, 9.26 p.m. Uh, good time to get on the podcast, archived, get your voice heard, and uh, talk about the things that are affecting your area or your town or if you got a story you want to share. Uh, let's see here. Let's get this Fed, Fed uh, Federal Reserve, uh, the Federal Reserve Banking Scam in the Act of 1871, how the banks took over the USA. Um, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, should be able to should be able to understand this here without a problem. Hopefully, hopefully. Eighteenth Amendment was ratified in slavery by giving all Americans citizenship. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the states wherein they reside. United States Code and Indian Amendment 14. However, what the public was not told, that while under the Lever Code, a 14th Amendment citizen can only be found within the jurisdiction of the United States. That is, all government employees, all those who live in territories occupied by the federal government, such as Washington, D.C., and the former slaves. The rest of the population was not subject to the 14th Amendment, and thus could still claim jurisdiction under the original Constitution. In addition to that, after the conclusion of the Civil War, the federal government was now occupying the southern states, placing these captured citizens under the jurisdiction of the Libra Code. The southern states had to agree to ratify this amendment in order for them to be granted their freedom from federal rule. Thus, instead of ending slavery, the 14th Amendment held all southerners captive as slaves in the plantation known as the United States of America. Just like how all citizens were turned into corporations in 1790 to subject them to the Revolutionary War debts, 14th Amendment citizens were created to be franchisees subject to the corporation known as the United States Incorporated. And like all corporate brands, you do not have any constitutional Bill of Rights protections. Proof of such can be found in the all-caps version of your name, which signifies a corporate entity. After the Civil War, the United States defaulted on its war debt. During the bankruptcy proceedings, cunning lawyers in league with international bankers found a loophole within Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 of the United States Constitution, which allowed the creation of a duplicate entity known as the Corporation of the United States of America to replace the now bankrupt and defunct Republic of the United States of America. This occurred with the passage of the District of Columbia Organic Act, 1871, which incorporated the area of the District of Columbia into a private foreign corporation chartered in the city of London known as the United States Incorporated. This corporation designated Congress as the Board of Directors to continue the business means of the government under martial law. Thanks to the Lever Code, federal jurisdiction under the Organic Act was expanded to include not only all captured citizens in the southern states, but all Americans in all states. Thus, America had lost her sovereignty under the yoke of the Crown of England and the international bankers. During this same time, the Corporation of the United States adopted its own constitution, which was identical to the original national constitution. 
To fool the people, one word was changed from its original form, the Constitution for the United States of America, to its present day all capitalized form, which signifies the corporate entity, the Constitution of the United States of America. Incidentally, the Titles and Nobility Amendment was removed from this new Constitution. With the Illuminati in full control over the United States, they now sought to rule the world. After the death of Adam Weishoff in 1830, Giuseppe Mazzini was selected to head the Illuminati. In 1871, the mental power was passed on again to the American General Albert Pike as its new director. Pike became fascinated with the idea of a one-world government and eventually constructed the Illuminati's blueprint of world domination. His plans called for the financing of three world wars in the 20th century. The first war would bring about an atheist communist state from the ashes of Tsarist Russia. The second war would bring about a Jewish holocaust under a fascist government to foment support of a Zionist state of Israel. The third war would manipulate the differences of Christians and Muslims for their own annihilation. And finally, political Zionism would come out as victors of all. These three world wars would require enormous funding since most of the royalty in Europe was already deeply in debt thanks to the numerous wars and conflicts created by the Rothschild banking dynasty, the only place left that could possibly pay for such ambitious plans was the now prosperous American Republic. After the Civil War, the United States went through a great industrial expansion. The new industries of oil, steel, textile, and railroad all needed generous financing, which the Rothschild family was more than eager to provide. To access these markets, the Rothschilds sent their agent, Jacob Schiff, to infiltrate the New York banking scene, which was controlled by J.P. Morgan. By the turn of the century, the Rothschilds had fully entrenched themselves into the tight fraternity of Wall Street banks, such as Goldman Sachs and Lehman Brothers. They now sought their most prized possession, full control over the American monetary system. With help from Jacob Schiff and J.P. Morgan, the Rothschilds formed a scheme which would seduce Congress into relinquishing control over the money supply. This occurred with the Panic of 1907, when a liquidity crisis caused many banks and businesses to fail all across the United States. The meltdown began when J.P. Morgan published rumors that the Knickerbocker Trust Company of New York was insolvent. With a bank run on hand, they were forced to call in their loans, creating a chain reaction which would threaten to implode the entire banking system. The failures continued until J.P. Morgan and Company provided a generous loan to the insolvent banks. But J.P. Morgan was not trying to save the American banking system, but rather, he used the crisis to destroy his competition by choosing which banks he would bail out. But the biggest casualty of the economic fallout was the looming bankruptcy of the Corporation of the United States, which had no means to pay back their loans, which were due in 1912. In anticipation of this bankruptcy, representatives from the world's most powerful families met in November 1910 at a secret meeting at the Jekyll Island Club Resort in Georgia to discuss the foreclosure of the Corporation of the United States and to brainstorm solutions which will prevent future liquidity crises, such as occurred during the Panic of 1907. Those in attendance included Senator Nelson Aldrich, Paul Warburg, representatives from J.P. Morgan & Company, and Jacob Schiff, representing the Rothschild family. 
they proposed a 20-year extension of the national debt if the United States would agree to charter a privately owned central bank, which would serve as a bank of last resort by lending money to other insolvent banks in order to prevent future bank runs. A week later, they emerged with their plans to create what is known as the Federal Reserve System. Because the current President Taft would never agree to sign away the American monetary system to a cabal of international bankers, they waited until they got their man, the progressive Woodrow Wilson, into power. In return for the bankers' generous campaign contributions, Woodrow Wilson reluctantly promised the bankers he would sign the Federal Reserve Act if he was elected into office. Many powerful forces were opposed to the creation of a privately controlled central bank. To neutralize this threat, J.P. Morgan invited the major opponents of the Federal Reserve Act on board the maiden voyage of the newly built Titanic luxury steamliner built by the White Star Line, owned by J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan ordered the captain to steer his ship into an iceberg and under gunpoint prevented the men from escaping onto the lifeboats, killing many of his enemies in one large swoop. When word of this got back to Woodrow Wilson, he commented, There exists this power in the world, so subtle, so organized, so watchful, that we dare not speak above a whisper when we speak in condimentation of it. At the beginning of 1913, the United States had defaulted on its debt. After being denied a new line of credit, the now President Woodrow Wilson faced a constitutional crisis. With no other sources of funding, he went along with the bankers' scheme engineered at the Jekyll Island Resort. To avoid any opposition, Senator Nelson Aldrich quickly pushed the Federal Reserve Act through both houses of Congress. On December 23, 1913, while most of Congress was away on Christmas vacation, a quorum call was issued. A few selected congressional traders voted by voice to avoid public record and pass the Federal Reserve Act, which President Wilson signed into law. Wilson later admitted with remorse when referring to the Fed, I have unwittingly ruined my country. This act gave away the keys of the printing presses at the U.S. Treasury to a foreign corporation chartered under the crown of England, known as the Federal Reserve Bank. The Federal Reserve was created by Congress in 1913, and it was entrusted with the power granted originally to the Congress by the U.S. Constitution to coin money and regulate the value thereof. The Federal Reserve Bank advertises itself as a non-profit corporation that operates as if it's another branch of the government. However, its board members are unelected, and their meetings are conducted behind the closed doors, away from public scrutiny. The board of directors of the Federal Reserve System is chosen by the president from a list prepared by the bankers themselves. It's important that whomever I pick... Uh, is viewed as an independent person from politics. All this secrecy becomes very suspicious, considering how the Federal Reserve monitors and controls trillions of dollars within the world's banking system. After the federal government lost its ability to issue its own money, the national debt soon soared to astronomical heights, because now the government had to pay the Federal Reserve interest on all its currency printed to circulation. But this interest on the national debt could never be repaid, as the Federal Reserve required all debt to be repaid with gold, which the government did not have. And even worse, the interest portion of the national debt was not issued into the money supply. In other words, more and more debt would have to be issued to continue servicing the growing interest payments on all loans. 
in order to cover this interest payment, Congress was forced to pass the income tax legislation, which became law in 1913 with the ratification of the 16th Amendment, also known as the Income Tax Amendment. Initially, they levied a 1% voluntary tax. All right, everybody, and, you know, I just want to say that, you know, in closing here, as I get ready to wrap up the, the podcast here, we just got to wrap it up, you know, at least somehow put a brighter note on things, at least something to look, you know, just just remember. Remember these words here. I'll play you about two minutes of this, okay? And, you know, just uh, have a have a brighter level look. I see trees of green. What do you think, huh? <laughs> All right, everybody. God bless the Republic. I got to say good night to everybody. And uh, until next time, just uh, stay awake. Try to wake everybody else up do the best you can. And, uh, you know, we can all, uh, you know, just do what your conscience tells you to do, I guess. You know, uh, it's really not a wonderful life out there. You know. And, uh, hey, if you're in North Carolina, make sure... We'll see. Early voting starts April 28th. Support me. Vote for me. If you want to try to make a difference, try to make a change here, I'm running for public office here in North Carolina, District 65. 
Joseph Gibson, Joseph A. Gibson III, my name is on the ballot. Managed to work hard to get my name on the ballot. And uh, make sure you select me. Otherwise, you know, don't complain because uh, we're in trouble here. We got a lot of problems coming our way. And uh, you need good people in there that are going to fight for the people and stand up for the people. God bless the republic. Always God bless the republic. God save the republic. Our fathers appealed to heaven. What did heaven do? Heaven heard. Heaven heard. Our fathers said they would treat all men equal. When they did not, heaven saw. Heaven saw. Our fathers fought each other and paid a great price. Father Abe kept the union, but not the republic. We forgot the republic and placed our trust in man and suffer oppression. We appealed to heaven. What did heaven do? Heaven heard. Heaven heard. God save the republic.